We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I'm Chanae Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel and special guest, Alec Leash. Guys, how are we doing? Doing all right. I'm excited to start talking about the Nets again. Thank God we have people like Joe Money McCarr and Alec on this podcast to help inform us. I know a little bit. But uh, I'm a, an amateur in comparison to the expert knowledge that we're going to get from these, this guy. Yeah, Alex has been doing some great work for us at otgbasketball.com, so check that out. And as always, you can find the buzz on platforms, including otgbasketball.com and Blue Wire Pods. But guys, let's talk about some prospects. Obviously, Nets have the number 19 pick in the draft, actually, funny enough, from Alex Sixers. Um, but looking at the prospects that they possibly could get in this range, I know Jack sent me a link that had a couple guys. So we'll kick things off. Tell me about Josh Green. So Josh Green kind of fits into the 3 and D mold. Um, the the closest comparison a lot of people are talking about with him is Gary Harris. Um, it's not known whether or not he'll reach that ceiling, especially because he's he was only a freshman this year. Um, but he's got the right mentality. He's got he he's very intuitive at cutting off the ball and relocating and stuff. Uh, he's also uh, a defensive minded player. He had to he had to take on a lot of the tougher defensive assignments for Arizona. Um, yeah, 
if the Nets pick him, they're buying into him being like an immediate contributor now and possibly growing into more under the tutelage of their veterans. Yeah, I've uh, been a Josh Green stand on this podcast a couple <laughs> of times. I'll continue to maintain that, obviously, because Josh Green is of my native country. As Alex sort of said, you know, I, I think his three ball is improving. You know, I've seen some video popping up here and there, him sort of working on that because, you know, obviously he's more D than three. I think that he's a, a good cutter. And I think in terms of fit, I think he would maybe out of the names that we're going to, to discuss might be the best fit just straight away. If you're putting in, plugging in, playing, as Nick likes to say, might be the best fit we have out of this draft class. Alec, would you agree, disagree? Are there some names that we're going to discuss that you think are more ready-made to contribute to the Brooklyn Nets next season? Yeah, he's up there. Um, I, yeah, I'd probably consider him in that top tier of guys because I'm of the opinion that the Nets need to make like a win-now pick. Uh, at 19, rather than, like, one of the projects that we're going to get into. What type of impact do you think he could have as a rookie? As a rookie, probably early on, um, just, like, a defense-heavy, um, mm -hmm. like, role. I think he could grow into a playoff role. I mean, he's got the mold of, like, that two-way wing that you'd want to play in the playoffs, and I think it's possible for him to get, like, I don't know, 10 to 15 playoff minutes uh, as soon as next season. Yeah, I think he's got the defensive prowess that he might be one of the Nets' best defenders if we were <laughs> on the team immediately, which is saying something. It's his number one skill. He's a good athlete and provides, you know, immediate athleticism. And I think under the, the assistant coaches who, you know, we've got Royal Ivy now in the squad, which is which is a good hire, one of KD's guys, one of Serge Barker's guys as well. But we'll save that for another pod. I just think that he, he just needs some fine-tuning in terms of, you know, a bit of body control stuff, I think his shot isn't necessarily fluid, but I think that obviously comes, you know, and, you know, in the college system, it's different. You know, I think it was like 36% or something or not a, a large volume of shots, but, and his handle isn't amazing, but I don't think he's, he's going to need to be a guy that's going to have to like, the most most driving and dribbling he'll have to do is off closeouts. Like if, if Kyrie kicks it out to him or, or Spencer or Karras kick it out to him and he's sort of closing out a la Joe Harris style. Now, I'm not comparing him to <laughs> my lord and messiah, Joe Harris. He is a better <laughs> defender. He is a better conventional athlete. But Joe Harris obviously is, is an immense three-point shooter. Just all of the tools, I think he's going to contribute immediately. You know, if we're talking minutes-wise, you know, I'd give him 15 to 20 minutes or so because, you know, wing, I think he can play anywhere from two maybe to four um, because his wingspan is, you know, ne ne near seven foot. I think his youth as well, he's continuing to develop into his body and, and, and being under the NBA system and, and you're getting the right diet, the right uh, workouts. I think he's going to be a, a solid dude going forward. So uh, I'm all in on Josh Green. I know there's probably some better guys that we're going to chat about, but uh, I can't help but uh, feel a little bit of bias towards my guy, JG. Yeah, I mean, you guys got me feeling like, why are we talking about the rest of the list? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, this guy seems like he could come in and be a great fit. But moving on to another prospect, RJ Hampton. Tell me about him. So RJ Hampton would be a bit of a deviation from uh, that, like a completely different mindset from the Josh Green uh, situation. RJ Hampton would be uh, a solid selection if you're going to move on from Dinwiddie, which rumors would say actually are kind of likely. He's he's really raw. Well, not really raw. He's like sort of raw. Um, he played in Australia this year, kind of like uh, just like Lamelo Ball did. Um, he's he's got the physical profile to be like a really big slashing guard. Um, possibly handle the offense in a few years, like on his own. 
Um, I think in like an immediate term role, I think he's a bit of a questionable fit with the Nets just because I think they should be looking for like role players who will fit around Durant and Irving. But I think if they're picking him, this is Sean Mark's way of saying I'm going to keep like uh, drafting like projects kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think he could play a small role right away and it would mostly be off ball. I don't think he'd be a lead playmaker anytime soon, especially not with a team with the expectations that the Nets have. Before I get into my opinions on RJ Hampton, Alec, do you think he's going to be a weird question for you? I'm not sure how much you know about Janan Musa. Who do you think <laughs> we get more minutes next year out of Janan Musa or RJ Hampton? We don't even know Musa is going to make the team. Oh man, I don't know. I'm just going questions out there. Let's get let's get crazy with it. I, I mean, you okay? When you when you put it that way, you make a fair uh, justification for Hampton. Yeah, I would I'd rather give those minutes to Hampton because like. I'm of the belief that you can never have too many ball handlers. So mm-hmm. having Hampton, especially because his, his athleticism is going to play right away. It's mostly about his jumper. Uh, yeah, he's one of the... I was mentioning Josh Green as a, as a great athlete. RJ Hampton might be one of the best athletes in this class. Top five, at least from what I've sort of heard and, and what I've sort of studied around it. You know, uh, uh, to also correct, Alec, I can't believe I'm going to be correcting our draft expert, played for New Zealand, was in the National Basketball League of Australia, but played for the New Zealand team. So maybe Sean Marks is going to have a little bit of extra love for him because he's from his native homeland. I, I think that RJ Hampton has been the most heavily linked player to the Brooklyn Nets. And, you know, we've seen articles in Nets Daily and the New York Daily News and stuff, but I don't know why the Nets would pick RJ Hampton because as Alec was alluding to, if you're using that pick, you've got to pick a guy who can contribute now. There's no point in picking a Nicholas Claxton, a Janan Musa, a Ronion's Kurtz, guys that are going to develop into probably decent NBA players but the Nets need guys now, you know, Sadiq Bays, uh, Desmond Bain, Josh Green. RJ Hampton is a guy that's going to be good in four years' time, and he has a higher ceiling than a lot of the names we're going to speak about, as I alluded to, because of his athleticism. You know, he's got, he, he does remind me a lot of another Aussie, Dante Exum. You know, he's got some Dante Exum vibes. Obviously, Dante Exum's injury history is, has plagued him. I really, really hope that, uh, that, that, that that doesn't happen to RJ Hampton. He doesn't necessarily have that history behind him. He's just, he's just incredibly raw. You know, he, he just doesn't do a lot of NBA-ready sort of stuff, but that will obviously come, you know. And I think there was the... But there was the exhibition game that they had um, a, a, quite a while ago at this point. But, you know, we judge off the, the small sample size that we have of these guys actually playing. But, you know, I don't think he's ready to contribute to the Brooklyn Nets. You know, if this was, say, the Charlotte Hornets or the Detroit Pistons, then it would be more like, yeah, go for this guy. You know, let him, go, uh, let him grow under your system. OKC. He feels like an OKC guy. <laughs> he uh, does. Oh, an athlete who can maybe shoot in the future. Um, Sam Presti loves those sort of dudes. But for the Nets right now, I, I don't see it making sense. But you know, Sean Marks is smarter than, than myself. But don't know if he's smarter at the draft than Alec. We'll have to wait and see. <laughs> I mean, he has a pretty good track record, but that Musa pick is really a stain. But, <laughs> but talking Hampton, I think, like, like you said, Jack, you prefer to get somebody that is, you know, win now and ready to go. But I also think, like, if there's a player that you really, really like and think can turn into somebody down the line – it's at least like a nice safety valve you have as like a young piece on the roster, or it's even like a trade asset. If they even showcase a little bit, that could be a guy you move at the deadline, maybe not this year, but the next year can get you an extra veteran piece. But any other thoughts on Hampton? I I, I can't say it, Nick, just in my eyes. You know, mm-hmm. if 
whether this is smoke screens, I don't understand why smoke screens would be happening from the likes of Sean Marks to pick 19 or something. You know, we'll, we'll talk about later in, in the pot about whether it's going to be kept, whether it shouldn't be kept, what Alec thinks about that. Uh, but focusing on the players at hand, you know, if we're ranking some of these guys, I, I see why RJ Hampton is, it, it, everyone is so enamored with him because of, you know, whenever you see a guy with the, the athleticism and the potential, it's like, all right, let's get this guy. But the Nets have higher aspirations. They need mm. guys to add to their rotation right now. And Arja Hampton's younger as well. You know, guys that are like, you know, in their either late teens or 20, 21, 22, those guys are, have the NBA ready mold to contribute straight away. RJ Hampton doesn't. And it's not that I don't like him as a prospect. It's just that I don't like him as a prospect on the Brooklyn Nets. Gotcha. Yeah, I, uh, Jack said everything. Uh you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty much in agreement that I don't think he's the best fit with the Nets, and I don't really know why he's been mocked to the Nets in so many. I think it's just because of Sean Marks' draft, like track record of drafting like risks and projects. Yes. So maybe, maybe that's all it is. All right, moving on to another prospect, we got Tyrell Terry. Tell me about his game. You want to talk about risks? Tyrell Terry is a risk. Um, I actually have uh, him falling to the Sixers uh, in in my mock for off the glass. Um, he's really small. That's, that's the issue with him. He's six, two and one seventy five pounds right now. And that's, that's a big jump from what he was before, like his most recent way. And he was at like one sixty in the middle of the season. He's, he's really small. And that makes his ceiling like kind of limited in terms of how playable he is in on a playoff stage, especially next to Kyrie Irving. I don't know how the two of them could coexist in a backcourt together, yeah. but the one thing he has, and this is this is one thing with like guys with physical limitations, is if they have a swing skill, like something that that really jumps off the page, they might stick. And Tyrell Terry has that in his range. He can he can hit a shot from almost anywhere. And I think as an off ball guy, he's really good. He he's not as good as Steph Curry at this. No one is, but his ability to relocate off the ball is like so nice for for a guy his age. Um, it just comes down to his size, and. I, I, I don't really know why the Nets would be in on a guy like that, given their roster. Alec, is he the best shooter in this draft, in your mind? That's a good question. He's he's not the most, like, efficient shooter, but he's the guy who will have the most gravity of anybody mm. in the draft. That, and and in, in, in a lot of ways, that, that can matter, but does it matter more on the Brooklyn Nets? Do they want more efficiency in that sort of respect? I think, if I do remember correctly, Nick, that I know Joe was a big fan of Tyrell Terry. You know, just uh, having a flamethrower shooter, he obviously wants to add shooting to, to this team. You, you can never have too much shooting. You know, having Joe Harris and Ty Tyrell Terry add in, in a lineup of, of some formation out there, maybe you've got some some bigger guys out there to sort of, you know, obviously Joe Harris as a shooting guard is like 6'6". Six, six. Tyrell Terry as a shooting guard, 6'2". You know, the, his wingspan obviously isn't necessarily there, as Alec alluded to, not the, the biggest frame. But within that frame, you know, he does do a lot. He is really crafty around the rim, just like watching some of his video. You know, he's just, he's just a, a really ambidextrous finisher. You know, he's quite crafty and athletic there. And, you know, I, I'm always sort of like against the heightism, the athleticism sort of thing in the NBA. If you're a hooper, you're a hooper. And I think this kid can hoop. And whether that's within the Brooklyn Nets or somewhere else, I think Kevin O'Connor has it going like top 10. Now, Kevin O'Connor has like Killian Hayes number one. Now, that's saying something. Everyone has Killian Hayes number one. There we go. <laughs> everyone, everyone has subjective biases about certain prospects or whatever. 
out of the guys that we've mentioned so far, I guess, Alec, who would you think? Do you think Josh Green is a better fit than Tyrell Terry? Do you think Tyrell Terry is better than RJ Hampton? What are your thoughts? Uh, I would say the order we went in is um, I'd go chalk here. I think Josh Green is the best fit. Hampton would be the second best fit just because I know that you can play him a little bit next to Kyrie. T- Terry and Kyrie Irving, I don't see as a feasible partnership at this point. And it's already going to be tough for a guard to get minutes, you know, especially if they don't make a trade. You're looking already at Kyrie Irving, Karis Avert, Spencer Dinwiddie, and you're probably trying to play Joe Harris at guard, you know, so it's going to be tough for any rookie to get minutes there. And I wouldn't say guard is probably a need for them. Yeah, no, I wouldn't either. No, I don't think so. But to make the case for him, if he was out there in lineups with Karis as like a sort of jolt of six-man energy off the bench, like Landry Shamit with the Clippers to an extent. You know, he wasn't really starting a lot, but when he was out there with like Lou Williams, obviously that defense was horrible. But, you know, if it's without Kyrie and it's, you know, Spencer Karras lineups, guys who have more size, more defensive acumen, you know, Joe Harris as well is a, is a good defender, you know, at least a, a capable defender. I think that there are ways where you can make it work. But it's obviously, you know, you'd much rather have him with the likes of Drew Holiday or a point guard who just has immense defensive capabilities. Like, imagine putting him next to a guy like Trey Young. That would be <laughs> insane. I'm actually kind of into it a little bit, just to go, like, sort of uh, a little bit crazy. But I, I'm i a little bit higher on the fit just because, you know, I love shooting um, and you can never have too many shooters. And if you have that, like, like Alec was alluding to, an elite skill... That just gives you a draw card that no other player has. Yeah. Um, I think he's a better fit on, well, the Sixers, like uh, like I mocked him. Uh, just like guys, a, a more defensive-oriented, like, roster. And probably next to, like, a giant, a big playmaker, like Simmons. Yeah. Like a big, like a Blake Griffin type, I think he would be a better fit with. Yeah, I see that too. I, I'm not a big fan. That's where Jack and I disagree a little bit. I think hype matters, especially when you get into the postseason. Like, you don't want a guy out there that they're just going to target on every possession. So I'm not a huge fan of the undersized guards, especially considering what's in-house. But moving on to Desmond Bain, this is a guy that's gotten some hype on Nets Twitter. Why are fans talking about him? Well, Desmond Bain is the guy who I had in the OTG mock to the Nets. Um, I think he's 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 ready-made. Uh, he's a ready-made wing. He was a senior uh, at uh, Texas Christian this past year. He's uh, He shot the lights out. He shot like 44% from downtown. Um, obviously, a one-season sample size in college can be a little messy, and his shot isn't the most clean, but it's pretty good, and it's pretty quick. Um, he's got an NBA-ready frame. He is, he's ready to step into an NBA rotation right now as a wing and check check a lot of guys. Um, he's, and he's also of like the non point guards. He's one of the best passers in this draft class. So he can fit right away as a guy who maybe you can use in some side pick and rolls or something. Um, he'll, he'll make the right play off of a closeout or something for sure. I think he's a really clean fit with a lot of contenders. He's the guy that a lot of contenders who already have their ball handlers and bigs figured out. That's the guy who you slot in right away. Mm. And it just so happens that the Nets have that somewhat. Yeah, I, I didn't really know about the passing acumen until I sort of saw a couple of things on Twitter. And hearing Alex speak about it again makes me, you know, enthused about the fact how he would fit in a Steve Nash and Mike D'Antoni offensive system. You know, I think that ball movement would be a, a real prerequisite and he can do a lot of it. He does just things, you know. You know, if, if we're sort of saying ready-made prospects, it's Josh Green or Desmond Bain. We'll probably get to a couple of other guys who, who fit a similar sort of mold. I think Josh Green's a better athlete, 
But Desmond Bain just is a better player overall. And I think can contribute better and be more consistent and probably pay, play key rotation minutes uh, uh, in a more ready-made sense. Who do you think's a better defender, Alec? Uh, between who and who? Green and Bain. Feels like I'm um, speaking about freaking like Batman Dark Knight Rises or something. <laughs> like right now it's Bane, but Green has the potential to be better down the line. So you guys would say Bane's probably a little bit more ready to play right now and contribute than Josh Green? Yeah, I mean he's older and mm-hmm. he was just he was just more effective at TCU this this past year than Green was. And Green was a freshman, so that's why he's just older. Does Green you think have a higher ceiling then? Than than Bane. Bane. Yeah, s- slightly. Slightly. What in terms of NBA comps, where everyone loves the NBA comps, Alex? What's your comp for for Desmond Bain if you were to think of one off the top of your head, or a couple, or off even the, shades? That's head. a new thing. Um, let's see. I got I got to think about this because it's weird that he's got such a quick trigger and a stout frame as well. Um, I've heard Brogdon before because he does like just a lot of good stuff, but isn't a crazy good athlete. Yeah, Brogdon with less, like, ball handling. I don't see yeah. him being, yeah. like, that featured guy who you give the ball to at the end of the game. But I definitely see, like, Bucks Brogdon. I, yeah. I see that comparison. Yep, no, that's a good one. Sounds like a great pick at number 19. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility of your hiring. You only pay for what you need and can pause your account at any time. And there's no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you with the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posts, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get on every possible chance to win the season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today. Take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts. Um, but moving on from Desmond Bain, we're going to Jaden McDaniels. Don't know much about him at all, so fill me in. Yeah, a lot of people don't. Uh, it's understandable. Um, he, if you're gonna take like a a risk or like a project pick at 19, I think Jaden McDaniels fits the Nets much better because his his frame and his defensive acumen. He played at Washington, which we know to be a, a defensive kind of factory. They had Thibel last year. They've had other guys. Um, they they have a good like defensive foundation, and therefore McDaniels has one. Uh, he's got that wing body to step in right away, and he's 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 sometimes a really tenacious defender. His issues are mostly um, character. 
uh, driven. Interesting. Um, there are some times where he would like check out of games mentally, or um, he he get frustrated in the middle of a game, and it might it might impact how the rest of his game goes. Now, those are things like I I'm, I don't know the guy. I've never talked to him, so I can't really yeah. comment his you know his personality or anything. But um, I think those things can be worked out in the right situation, and it's possible the Nets are there. And I also think that of like these guys who you know are a bit of projects. Or- Daniels would be that one would impress Katie and Kyrie the most just because he'll make some wicked defensive play. He'll like swallow up a dude. They'll be like, okay, this guy can. Do you think that I, I mean, I don't think that they're similar. I think they have similar skills, but seeing and watching a little bit of Jaden McDaniels film and reading about him, he reminds me, he has shades of Nicholas Claxton in terms of just the, the versatility to, to shoot a, a really good athlete. Do you think that those guys clash with each other on the roster at all in terms of their skill sets, in terms of, you know, maybe taking minutes from each other? The advantage of the Claxton and McDaniels types, that's that's a solid comp. Um, the the advantage is that you can play mul- them together, like yeah. multiple guys of that ilk. So, yeah. no, I would not say that's an issue. And there's cool. also a chance that Claxton might not pop off. You know what I mean? Obviously, he showed flashes so far, but if you have kind of two lottery tickets, better chance at winning. Is is McDaniel's more of a wing sort of? He could defend wings better, whereas Claxton I ultimately see as a five. He can yeah. play some four. We did see him play a little bit of four, you know, alongside Jared Allen and DeAndre a couple of games this season. But as McDaniel's a better sort of wing guy, a better three point shooter. It seems to me, skill wise, you know, McDaniel's is probably more modern and more prototypical as a wing. That's that's accurate. Yeah, his his shooting, um, it like he actually showed some ability at Washington to hit some really interesting shots out of certain sets, uh, like handoffs and stuff. So uh, even if that's not like the biggest part of his game, for him to have that shows that he can probably play on the wing more than Claxton. What are his measurements looking like? So he's six nine with an almost seven foot wingspan. Um, okay. Only two hundred pounds right now. Um, that that's gonna bulk up as he, you know, gets some NBA time. But, uh, yeah, he's, I think of, like, the guys who are more risky and not ready to win right now, he's one of the better selections you can make as the Nets. Hampton or McDaniels? I'm going to keep throwing different ones at you, Alec. McDaniels. I like it. Yeah, McDaniels seems like he has some real pop, and it's usually the guys that no one really knows about up until the draft, and you're like, oh, wow, this guy could maybe do something. I'm see. Sean Marksy, yeah. like we've talked about Hampton a little bit, but to me, McDaniel seems more like a, a Sean Marks kind of guy. You know, maybe RJ Hampton is more of a Sean Marks guy, as I mentioned, because he played for New Zealand uh, in the NBL, and, and maybe that's just like, hey, you play for New Zealand, you're coming to the Nets. But to me, in terms of skill-wise and, and, and player-wise, McDaniel just seems to be the, the sort of prototype that Sean Marks seems to fall in love with. And he seems like more of a need. You know what I mean? Somebody who could fit down the line with Katie and Kyrie or the guards on the roster. So, all right, we got the next prospect. I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce his name. Jack, help me out here. Uh, Alex Posh- Alexei Poshevsky. Uh, <laughs> Am I saying it right? Pokashevsky. Pokush- I think it's Pokashevsky. Most people call him Poku just to. Poku? You know, That's you. what I'm going with. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Poku would be the ultimate, like, swing for the fences type of pick at 19 um he's he's got a center's body but he's got guard skills um he's got a translatable and improving jumper he's got some really interesting passing skills for for a guy his size um he's 
his issue is that he's not really playable like next season or in a very specific role next season. Um, I would see the Nets making that pick if they're confident in their free agency decisions. Like, for example, if they know that they're going to get like a Serge Ibaka type and they're confident with their roster going into next season, they're just like, yeah, you know, what? we'll take a shot here. He's the 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 swing for the fences sort of pick, you know. I, and he's he is so damn skinny. I feel like every time I see him out there, he's gonna break. If he was playing like a contact sport, you know, he, he wouldn't survive. But man, he is just fluid as hell. Like he just he plays like a a point guard, but he's got he's like enormous. Like he wouldn't fit in my house right now. He'd probably hit his head on the roof. He's just so <laughs> damn tall. But man, I don't think I've ever seen a skinnier person. When I've seen video of him, I'm like, dude, man, I just I worry for him. And now obviously, and I think that's been, a, I'm not comparing him to Chris Porzingis, but I'm just, because they're just Euro guys, but he's had worries with his body in terms of his weight. You know, I remember hearing, you know, in the postseason, you know, him talk about it with the trainers and he's sort of like, you know, I want to retain, you know, a little bit, a little bit less, but the, the, the Mavs are like, we want you to retain a little bit more because it's going to allow you to be more durable um, and, and last a little bit longer. Man, Pokashevsky could be one of the better players in the NBA. He, he he could literally be... He has the talent and skill set, as Alec alluded to, to be maybe one of the best centers based off just what he does. And, and just it's just so goddamn unique. Like, you can barely make comps with him. Like, I know Lamar Odom, he's got like Nikola Jokic... Esque, not Nikola Jokic like Nikola Jokic esque passing ability. Um, he's an incredibly raw. Like we're talking like RJ Hampton times a million raw. Like he he ain't played in the NBA for a couple of and stash kind of guy. Over to just like all right, you eating nothing but Chipotle and Popeyes <laughs> as Brandon Ingram and Carol Suburban yeah. doing for the last couple of years, and you get in that weight room, my dude. What would yeah. you say his ceiling is, Alec? His ceiling, I mean, I, there are very few prospects like him, so I don't even know if I can put a ceiling on a guy like I, I, I don't know. I mean, Porzingis, I guess, he's got better playmaking than Porzingis. Um, does. I think he has the rim protection of Porzingis, so some, I don't know. I mean, probably a top 15 player, top 10 player. Well, yeah, that'd people be quite a said, yeah, people have said that. And I'm, I'm I'm not saying this. I'm quoting from other podcasts, places I've listened to, that he's the Giannis of this draft. In in saying that you go you go for a guy who played in overseas, who has incredibly raw, so much potential, not necessarily ready, but we can make him ready. And if you back your scouting system and you back your trainers, you back your assistant coaches, you can turn him into a, an incredibly good NBA basketball. You know, he he might not even make it over. He he might sort mm. of be you know. Uh, a dragon bender sort of type. He he could either be the the range for him is like dragon bender to Kristaps slash Giannis Nikola Jokic. It's <laughs> it's anywhere. Like it's a crapshoot. Yeah, and I think that this might be the draft for a team to take a chance yep. like that because there aren't that many guys with mega upside in this draft that we know of. Now we could be wrong about this in three years. Who knows? Hmm. But because they said some people said 2018 was going to be a weak draft, and look at that now. Um, so if like this would be the, maybe, maybe Sean Marks would just see value here. He'd be like, Hey, 19 taking a swing like this. Hell yeah. And it'd be interesting too, is if it was a draft and stash guy, you still have the roster spot, you know what I mean? Or somebody that, you know, you're not going to play and have to use and you can give it to a vet or something like that. But moving on to next prospect, Aaron Naismith. Why so would you go Aaron, with the Nets? 
uh, Aaron Naismith would be a great fit with the Nets. It's just that the expectations based on mocks and all kinds of stuff I've seen, I don't expect him to be at 19. If he's there, great fit. He's he's like one of the best wing prospects in the draft. He's um, he's not one of the like most stout defenders of the wing prospects, but he's he's a pretty solid one and and obviously an improving one and he's got a really nice jump shot i mean he that's like people say a flamethrower jump shot for him um he'd be an immediate great fit uh him and joe harris on the wings firing away threes that would be excellent for the nets offense uh i just i would just be surprised if he falls to 19 what range do you think he's in like uh late lottery probably there's a chance there's a, I mean, as the Jim Carrey gif is, so you're saying there's a chance as they all, as, <laughs> yeah. I think I've used that more than any other one when it comes to this time of year, especially uh, in terms of like NBA comps, you know, I, I, I sort of see like Danny Green when he's actually shooting the ball well, <laughs> um, yeah. in, in that sort of respect, you know, uh, he can defend relatively well. I don't think he's as good of an athlete laterally as some of the other guys we've spoken about. But the three-point shot more than makes up for it, you know. I I would have dreams. Uh, I'm not going to say what I was going to say. I would have dreams, nice dreams, very pleasant dreams about him and Joe Harris You're on the sick. perimeter. Uh, hey, I didn't say it. You put it in your head. That's inception right there. But, you know, there, there's a. I think that, you know, he can't create a lot for himself. But in saying that, he's not going to need to create a lot for himself. There's a... I think while that's probably the number one skill for if you're going for a really high-end sort of guy, as sort of has been said, and Alec has mentioned this in, in, in a lot of the articles on OGGBasketball.com, there's a lot of great role players and just good NBA basketballers in this class. And Aaron Naismith, you know, epitomizes that. He's a really smart player too. Yeah, it, he, he would play a role right away. Um, I, of the guys we've talked about and of the guys we will talk about, um, he's, he's by far the best fit. And one of the better talents. Um, he's just an he's an excellent wing prospect, especially for a contender. What would be some of his NBA comps? Well, uh, Danny Green when he's on, that's that's a good one. Um, uh, maybe a more refined Buddy Heald in terms of he won't he won't be an erratic shot taker, but he'll be an accurate one. Good stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'm I I need to watch more film. He's one of the guys who I sort of did a little bit of research lately. But uh, Alec is uh, making me warm to this guy. And uh, <laughs> he might not be Australian, uh, but uh, he certainly does a lot of things that I do enjoy in the basketball court. All right, moving on from him, on to Jalen Smith. What does he do on the court? What can he bring to the Nets? Jalen Smith's a really stretchy big from Maryland. Um, he's got he's got all the intangibles, too, to make to, to fit with his like body type. Um I think if the Nets are looking at him, it means that they're not getting a big in free agency because this this guy he won't he won't be like a thirty minute guy right away. But he does have um, a, a lot of comps I've seen for him are Serge Ibaka, um, so he, he's he's kind of fitting into that three and D big mold eventually. Can't get the real yeah. thing. Go for the closest thing. <laughs> Why not? And in saying that, I think as well. If Jared Allen or Claxton were to be moved, it would make more sense. I don't mm-hmm. understand why Sean Marks would draft would draft him to have like you know a fifth center on the roster. However many we've got, you know, we've got it's in, it's in, like the the formation of the roster. If Jalen Smith were to be the, the at, at there at pick nineteen and Sean Marks were to take him, it'd be like here's our bigs. 
here's our, our guards and here's Kevin Durant. That's basically <laughs> what, I mean, you can add in Toy and Prince um, uh, as well, you know, not to, <laughs> to besmirch uh, my guy TP. It's not a Tuesday, so I can besmirch him. It's not TP Tuesdays. But yeah, I think he, he, he does a lot of good things. And I think he's, you know, a, a lot of bigs in this class, you know, um, uh, uh, get a difference. You know, there's, there's a different difference of opinion. Wow, got that one out eventually. But, you know, he does everything you want out of your modern big, as Alec was alluding to. Good shot blocker, good three-point shooter, good rebounder. You know, uh, the, the perfect modern big for the NBA in 2020. Yeah, I think, like you said, Jack, if they do make this move, maybe it means they're trading Jared Allen and adding another young big. Because I think they probably want to add a vet. You know what I mean? If they lose Jared Allen, they want to have somebody they can go to if DeAndre Jordan gets into foul trouble, which seems kind of likely in the playoffs at some point. But uh, moving on from Jalen Smith, Sadiq Bey has been a guy that seems like he's the Bay of Nets Twitter. Like everybody's <laughs> just <laughs> – I knew you would like that. Uh, I just constantly like see his name. Tell me about his game and why people are talking about him. So Sadiq Bey, um, he's he's basically like a plug-and-play like two-way wing right now. Um, he went to Villanova, and Villanova in recent years has been excellent at just yeah. producing these role players like Josh Hart – DiVincenzo, Mikhail Bridges, Jalen Brunson. Like, that's a really good track record. And uh, Sadiq Bey is just – he's not going to flop in the NBA. He's one of those guys you know is going to have a role just um, – because he knows he knows who he is. He knows his own game. He's not going to try and step out of it too much. He's a guy who – his draft range has been um, said to be a little higher than 19. But, I mean, if he falls 19, yeah, solid fit. I mean, he can play the three or the four almost, like, right away. Yeah, he does everything that you know, Damari Carroll did on the Nets, you know, in, in previous iterations. But as as a young guy, obviously a little bit older, you know, 21 years old, but you know, ready-made prospect, as as Alec was alluding to, defends really well on both ends of the floor. You know, he, he's just an impact player. You know, he, he just makes plays incredibly smart, versatile, uh, and capable in, in so many ways that whichever team gets him, you know, he's not going to win Rookie of the Year. But he's going to be, maybe be one of the more consistent players out of this rookie class because he's going to play consistently. He plays at a role uh, and, and does winning things that few rookies do. You know, uh, it, few rookies can impact defensively straight away. You know, Alex Guy Matisse Thibel is one of the very few. I think Sadiq Bay could be one of the few from this class that does that, but also still contribute offensively. You know, he's not a great athlete. You know, I think that, you know, we, we talked about the athleticism of guys like RJ Hampton and, and Jenny McDaniels and Josh Green. You know, he's not a great athlete in, in any respect, but sometimes, you know, athleticism is a, is a thing that gets overrated as a skill. And you just want a guy who you know what you're going to get from him, consistent and, and plays a position that is more valuable than any other in the modern NBA. What do yeah. you guys think the range is for him? Um, Like teens so he he could very easily be available at 19 yeah i would go anywhere from 12 to 20 that's what how just in in my mind you know i i, I get worried about like people sort of hyping him up it's just like and, and sort of seeing you know another team that's in sort of go hmm i like the tweet from nba 3457 <laughs> saying about city yeah. bay let's take that dude <laughs> clearly that's not going to happen but you know so much of Netswood has fallen in love with him and for good reason because out of the the guys are sort of spoken about it's Sadiq Bay I mean you, you've spoken about a couple of guys that you probably have preference towards Alec how would he fit in, in would you could you see him playing 
closing minutes for in a playoff games for for the Brooklyn Nets as a sort of you know whether it's at the three or the four with KD. Yeah, I could see him closing minutes. I mean, he's 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 got the build and he's got the mentality and he's got the skill set to play like right away. He's just one of those guys who just fits in. So yeah, I could absolutely see him playing right away. If I were to rank him as best fit here, I'd go Naismith first, then Bay, then Desmond Bain. So yeah. Okay, so this is a guy the Nets are hoping falls. Next up, we got Leandro Balmero. Tell me about his game and what he can bring to the Nets. And Jack, how to do with the pronunciation there? Uh, I would go Balmero. You got to roll okay. your eyes a little. Okay. I'm, not, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> look, I'm not. Co- I'm not co-hosting uh, with Corey Baldwin. I'm never going to have any issues with you, my guy. He's always <laughs> catching strays, Corey. He's always catching strays. Hope he's doing well after uh, recovering from his surgery. It's always good. And that outlet uh, with, that you did with him, uh, the trades. Check that out on YouTube, off the glass. But um, Alec, what do you got on uh, Leandro Bolmaro, as a as an Aussie would say it? Yeah, so my my first thought of Bolmaro is he looks like a Jonas brother. Um, but <laughs> other than that, uh, he's uh, like he's he's got really good defensive instincts for like guys who come over from Europe. A lot of guys who have come over have been considered like weak defenders. Um, I don't know how true most of that is, but he's definitely got the mindset. He's got the IQ. He's he's a really good passer for his size. Um, the thing that's holding him back is his jumper. Um, if he, like, he's, he just doesn't have a good jump shot right now, like good three point efficacy or anything like that. So it like his, his role in the NBA just comes down to if he can make threes. Yeah. I think he has a better offensive skill set than a lot of the guys have spoken about, you know, as Alec was alluding to in terms of his passing and, you know, like I said, fit offensively with Steve Nash and, and Mike D'Antoni, the sort of European style, bring his sort of style of play there. But, you know, the three-point shot is incredibly inconsistent. And in that sort of respect, if you want a plug-and-play ready-made prospect, probably not right now. I don't. I think he's going to have the consistency of Jalan Moussa uh, of, <laughs> of the past couple of years. But in saying that, you know, guys can thrive in the system and maybe he turns into Rodion's courts and just like, this guy, you know, has the, the skills and prototype to, to contribute to NBA winning basketball. You know, that, that could certainly happen as well. Uh, you know, I'm not necessarily an expert on, on these guys as much as Alec is, but I think he could contribute, but not as well as, you know, the, the top three that Alec gave and even some other guys uh, from this class. And like we mentioned before, there's already the ball handlers and the playmakers. So a rookie having impact on the Nets offensively is probably going to be on, you know, three-point catch-and-shoots or cuts to the rim. They're not really going to have an opportunity to make many plays. The other thing is it must be stated that Bolmaro is likely going to stay overseas another season. So he would be a draft and stash, which is, like, why I don't see why this pick would make sense at all for the Nets. Like, they need any immediate contributors, as we've talked about ad nauseum. But, I mean, he's he's a solid prospect, just I don't think for the Nets. Yep. Moving on to our final one, Malachi Flynn. What does he bring? So Malachi Flynn uh, comes in the mold of uh, an undersized, defensive-minded guard. Um, there, are a lot of, there are a lot of guys already in the NBA like him. Uh, we got Tyus Jones. We got Fred Van Vliet. We got um, uh, Jalen Brunson, uh, the, the guy on the Suns. Why am I uh, – his the backup – Point guard on the Suns. Yeah, to be Melton. No, Javon Carter. Javon Carter. That's it. Thank you. So there, there are plenty. Of, there's like a track record for these undersized guys who know their roles and will set set the tone on offense. Um, Flynn would be the pick if you're either not believing in Chris Chioza or just not bringing him back at all. He would just be a backup, like 
point guard tone setter for the Nets because because of his size, him and Kyrie Irving playing together is a, is very questionable. He's also like six one, but he's a good player and would play a role right away. It just would be a smaller one than one of the wings. He's got two inches of Chris Chioza. Um <laughs> Yeah, Chris Chioza is an undersized guy, but what Chris Chioza does have is you know. A semi-elite. His handle's really good, and he's a really good passer, whereas Malachi Flynn seems to be more steady, as Alec was alluding to with, with those sort of names. You know, can shoot the ball well, isn't an awesome athlete, whereas, I, and I don't, you know, if a guard were to be traded, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karras, uh, Musa, whoever, um, and Chiosa weren't to, to be retained either, or J- Jeremiah Martin either, then maybe that's the pick. But out of all the guys we've referenced, and, the, and you know, I, I can't remember who mocked Malachi Flynn to the Nets, um, it, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. But you know, we have to talk about it. A guard, at least, and Malachi Flynn seems to be at least a prototype that will contribute to NBA winning basketball. Probably not for the Nets, though. Agreed. Yeah. I would agree with that. It was Yahoo Sports who mocked uh, Malachi. There we go. Yeah. And then that's where to bring an undersized guard into next year's team. It would probably be Chris Gioza, a guy that already knows the squad. Like, bringing this guy doesn't really make much sense. Yeah, I can agree with that. Uh, Most of these guards, like we've said, don't really make much sense for the Nets. It just worked for the mock draft that they put out. So they're just like, ah, you know, this is kind of fits the slot. But uh, if you had to make a prediction, who do you think the Nets are going to land on draft night? Um... If I were to pick, if I were to guess, uh, Sean Marks is going to pick an upside guy here. Um, I like, like I said, I would pick like Nesmith if he's there, Sadiq Bay, Desmond Bain, someone like that. But I think um, I'm thinking Jaden McDaniels as a prediction. Okay. I'll be different and biased and go Josh Green. And I don't know enough to make an informed opinion. So <laughs> now, in terms of all of these guys. Alec, is in, in Jaden McDaniels obviously seems to be a, a Sean Marks E sort of guy. The Bain, Naismith, and and Bay are probably the three higher upside prospects and guys that have been mocked earlier a lot. Out of Bain, Naismith, and and Sadiq Bay, who out of those three is do you think is more likely to drop to the Nets? Um, Bain, it would be Bain. Okay. Just because he's he, he's a senior, so his ceiling is considered limited. Now, I'm not an ageist when it comes to the draft. Like we've seen, like Brandon Clark be awesome uh, right away. Despite like the only reason he fell as far as he did was because he was 21. Uh, <laughs> like I, I don't I don't buy that in a lot of cases. In some cases, you do. Um, but in this case, I think especially with his skill set, like he's only going to get better. And I think in the net system, he would be a, a great fit. And he's more likely between uh, Naismith Bay and himself to fall. I yeah. like it. Alec, you know, Jack and I already kind of discussed. If you were the Nets, would you look to trade this pick or look to make this pick? So, the, I mean, it really depends on who you're trading for. Like, um, I don't know if I would make this move. Like, I don't know if I would trade it for Drew Holiday. Um, I think you have enough matchable salaries and assets otherwise to, to make that kind of move. Um, if you're going for a higher upside guy, like, well, if you're going for James Harden, um, obviously you throw in this pick. Uh, I would say it just, it's a case by case basis. Yeah. I mean, would you be in favor of the Nets, let's say attaching this to Torian Prince and getting some type of forward upgrade? 
Not I saying like probably not an all star, but probably someone who's a little bit more Aaron way Gordon. capable. Aaron, Aaron Gordon. Gordon. Like that. Yeah. I I would rather keep the pick at that point. Um, Aaron Gordon is somebody who I talked about on Corey's podcast, Full Access, during the Magic Obituaries. Um, we've been talking about for the past six years, Aaron Gordon making that leap that hasn't come yet. And I'm not saying it can't. I mean, Orlando is a very weird roster, so yeah. it's possible that there's something to unlock there. But I think uh, the Nets need to not take too many risks when it comes to this pick. Nets Twitter just wept hearing Alec besmirch Aaron Gordon, I think. <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, said I want all the, the smoke. <laughs> I said this on the outlet. The idea of Aaron Gordon is probably better than what you're going to get. It kind of reminds me of Torian Prince, where he'll be better than Torian Prince, but he'll never live up to what you kind of expect him to be, given the talent that he does have. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get into that on our free agency pod. But yeah, in, in t- what do you, I, I guess overall, Alec, Give us a, a, a final sort of summary on what you think the Nets should do, what you want them to do, what you hope they'll do. Um, just give us a sort of final summary from your end and, and, and your sort of research and stuff and, 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 and the chat we've sort of had uh, on this pod so far. Jack, he's a Sixers fan. He's going to hope the pick is a bust. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have an affinity for the Nets after you know, covering for a few years at um, my old website, but... Uh, I would. I think that they should pick a role-playing wing, a guy who can slot in play at least like ten to fifteen minutes, like right away. Um, I think that uh, Sean Marks will go a little more upsidey here. He always has, even like he he knew that KD and Kyrie were coming last year, and he still picked Claxton as opposed to like a a role player who like could step in right away. So I definitely think he'll get a little more spicy than that. Um, what was the third question? I'm sorry. <laughs> The third ah, that, I was just asking random questions. I think that those <laughs> are the ones that uh, I wanted the, the answers to. And, you know, in terms of uh, overall, do you think that this pick, in, in terms of like value right now, the, the, the 19th pick in the draft, there's talks of the, the Nets even sort of like wanting to, to, to ship and go up a little bit. There's a heap of talk like, you know, maybe the, I don't know, whether 26 and 30 from Boston for 19 or something. If there's a, people looking to consolidate in this draft, do you think the Nets would take a look at it? Or do you think, obviously, with the, the constraints that they have with the salary cap, that they're just looking for pick 19? And if they move up a little bit, they might attach a, a Prince or a Musa or something to get, you know, maybe they're in love with Desmond Bain, Sadiq Bay, or, or Aaron Naismith in that sort of respect. Or do you see sort of Sean Marks playing it safe? I want to go my guy, the, the athletic upside dude who can shoot a three and maybe in three years will contribute once Katie and Kyrie are no longer playing. What, what do you think happens within that respect? Of of those, like the scenarios between trading up and trading down, I, I see many more scenarios where they trade up. Um, okay. Like finding that guy, that like rock solid, this guy's going to play right away kind of thing. I could definitely see that. Trading down would be if, if Marks like doesn't like any of the guys on the board. Like if all three of those wings are taken and like your best option and Josh Green's gone too, uh, and your your best pick is like Tyrell Terry, then yeah, I could see a situation where they trade down. Um, I could also see a situation, Zach Lowe talked about this uh, on several of his pods, of of like teams selling a first round pick possibly it hasn't happened in a while but like because of the the financial crunches um 
because of some the Boston has a roster crunch coming themselves, like with all the guys that they have to like make decisions on. They could sell 30 if they can't get it like if they can't use it in a trade up. So maybe the Nets actually buy an extra pick. Yeah. I would say against the adding another first round pick would be the cap hold. Because I think 19 is already like 2.6 mil, depending if they go up or down. Now you're looking at another cap hold. Luxury tax bill is already crazy. We kind of talked about it. We can ask Josiah to play a lot of money. But you can't really be like, yo, Josiah, we need you to pay the luxury tax for another rookie. Because even though it's only like $2 million, whatever it comes in after the multiplier, you're like, okay, like, yeah, this guy's probably not even going to play this season. I would say it'd be more likely in my eyes. I think, like you said, Alec, trade up, get a guy that you specifically want. Or trade down like they did last year, get a future pick, and pick early in the second round like they did with Nick Claxton. Yeah. But any other thoughts on the Nets draft, fellas? Uh, we've gone deep, and you know this is normally the time of year where I fall in love with certain guys. Um, I'm the Josh Green stan on Twitter <laughs> slash Nets. I don't think there are many Josh Green stands on Twitter in general. I'm not necessarily uh, totally sure of that, but uh, I'm in on JG. Uh, but there are a lot of guys in this draft that I think, in terms of being like a weak class up the top, almost benefits teams like the Nets and the Contenders because there are so many good role players, as I've sort of alluded to and Alex alluded to as well. Yeah, I think that's been a trend in recent drafts in general, is that there's been strong role players to come out. And I think it's because we know more about what, like, is requisite to survive in the NBA, like at higher levels. We know yep. what we're looking for more than ever before. So I think that helps a lot of guys who previously, um, Patrick Williams is a great example. He was a backup at Florida State this year, and he's not good, like he's not going to fall to 19, that he's going to be out <laughs> in that range. But he's, he's a guy who most people wouldn't have found out about because he didn't start all season. So it's like, what well, if this guy wasn't productive in college, why could he be a good prospect? And now this this new age of information that we have, it, it makes these under-the-radar guys stand out more. And it kind of relates to a conversation we were having off-air about the differences between the college game and the NBA game. Because sometimes you can't necessarily see that skill exactly in the college game, but you know what the skill is and how it could kind of relate to the NBA game and how they could probably be more successful. And you see that happen sometimes. And, Shaman's and actually uh, Landry Shaman, who uh, was mentioned earlier, I believe he's a great example of that because he was the point guard of Wichita State. And then the Sixers brought him in and very, very intelligently just made him a shooter. And mm -hmm. it, it allowed him to refine that one skill that wasn't exactly like it wasn't the feature skill of his at Wichita State because he was considered like a point guard by a lot of scouts. And then he just became like a lightning quick shooter. And, and maybe that's, you know, to compare, I guess, to RJ Hampton because he play, didn't play in college and he played in the NBL against ready-made sort of guys. I know Bill Simmons isn't a fan of the NBL, but I think it is still a, a good physical league. And I think that's why RJ Hampton did struggle because of the physicality of it. But playing against, you know, 25, 30-year-olds, you know, it is a professional league. These guys do make decent contracts off it. You know, maybe Sean Marks saw something there against the likes of, you know, you know, Mitch Creek. Let's uh, let's shout out uh, our guy Mitch Creek on the podcast. But maybe that's why there is some love for for RJ Hampton going on behind the scenes as well. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. Um, something about Hampton would just be something that we don't know. That would yeah. be they pick him. 
there's always some of those connections, especially in a draft like this where, you know, we didn't have March Madness, COVID-19, not having the workouts, the combine's not the same. I feel like it's really going to be a weird draft night, and I feel like I have more hope than usual in terms of somebody falling in the draft because I feel like there's probably going to be a couple reaches in the lottery that kind of lead to some good things. But appreciate you hopping on, Alec. Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks, everybody, for listening, and you can catch us on all streaming platforms. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.